Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hang Up. That's right, I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork, it changed my life. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Listen to Hang Ups on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of The Ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California, this is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to Lips LA Radio. I'm Scott Lips and... I'm Jessica Michelle. And we're here with Brandon Boyd. Really excited. Good dude. What's up, Brandon? Hi. How did I get here? I think uh, you came with Brucey, which is awesome. So for all you guys who don't know, Brandon Boyd is the singer of Incubus. A great band, a good friend, and uh, all-around amazing guy. He's a songwriter, he's a musician, he's an author, he's an artist. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's almost like nothing that philosopher. you... Almost nothing you don't do, Brandon, right? <laughs> Apparently I've been busy. <laughs> there's, there's very few things you don't do, right? Because there's so much in your repertoire at this point. So Thank it, you for noticing, but I'm working on that part. There are quite a lot of things that I don't do that I'm trying to sort of crack the code on. And, should and we talk about it? We should, but actually, but one thing I will say, <laughs> everything you do, because I know you pretty well at this point, you do really well. So, oh, thank you, you know, sometimes you have musicians that do art and the art isn't that great. Your art is great. Thank and you. I've been to your art show where I actually spotted Brad Pitt at your art show. I will, we'll get into all that. Oh, we will. Okay, But um, the only time I've ever seen Brad Pitt in my life and he was at your Same. art show. Same. Um, but yeah, there's so much to talk about. So guys, thanks for tuning in. We're at the Dream Hotel. You're listening to Lips Hell Radio, Brandon Boyd and Jessica Michelle. Yo, what's up, everybody? What's going on, dogs out there? Listen to me. It's your boy, Randy Jackson. What's going down? You're listening to Lips LA on Dash Radio with Scott Lips and Jessica. I um I took a really great quote that I saw that you said a long time ago, and I thought it was an amazing quote, knowing your band. I just went to Cabo this weekend, which mm. was amazing. I saw you guys play. 
and um, just a great concert. You guys play hits, which is great. Sometimes, like people, you know, band, you see band play, and just you know, sometimes you go to see an artist you really want to see, and they don't play the hits. Yes. These guys deliver, and that's <laughs> always like an issue I have when you see bands like I see Radiohead now, and they play no songs I know. They're being stingy. It's like they just want to feed you what they want to feed you their new music, mm-hmm. but what we come for a lot of times like that nostalgia. Sure. What we grew up on. Mm-hmm. I understand both sides of this situation because I agree like there I, I've gone to see tons of bands and you definitely want to hear what what's new for them and you want to hear where they're going but you also want to hear what where they come from and what initially kind of intoxicated you about them and so many bands <laughs> that I love and admire kind of they keep that from you or they make you wait until like the, the encore the encore right. and they feel like a medley of those songs yeah. you wanted to hear and Screw I get that. it. I get it because at a certain point you've played those songs so many times that you'd rather ingest grenades than play them again. That being said, what our band has kind of come to do over the years is uh, give ourselves permission to reinvent the songs that were uh, really popular in their day. Definitely. And so they become interesting to us again, and which the, is important. And and when I saw you guys play there today, I have to say, Kabu was a great festival. I love that festival because you have like you have vintage, right? You have like these bands like you have like blondie playing there who i haven't seen play in i don't know how many years and then you have hip-hop and then you have rock and then you have hard rock and then you have alternative rock it's this amazing sort of medley of all these incredible styles and i actually Mm. think it has one of the best lineups of any festival Mm. i remember telling you like six months ago i'm gonna go to that festival and it was like robert plant who i didn't get to see and it was you guys and it was um ah, so many bands who else played there it was like uh um, gosh didn't well foo fighters the night i went which was great yeah they were awesome Um, it was a great 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 lineup but they let, give you the hits, the they, 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 It's all hits. But let, let's go back to the beginning because Incubus, I think, was very, very unique when you guys started in that you used the DJ initially, which I really hadn't seen a lot of bands early on do that. I think it was like you guys and Linkin Park and mm-hmm. um, bands that, that didn't sort of uh, survive the test of time as much, like Limp Biscuit that used like DJs. But what made you guys initially, because I kind of want to take it back to the beginning when you guys started, and I love this quote. You said, we have all the elements of being the worst band in the world, a bass player who's got some slap bass shit, Heavy riff guitars, a DJ scratching on his songs, a crazy drummer, and a singer who's in touch with his feminine side. Even our band name is the worst name ever. It evokes imagery of Incubus in death metal writing with bullet uh, bullet belts across our chest. So a great quote, actually. And <laughs> I think and I was I, 19 when I said that. Yeah, but by the way, like it couldn't be more. Like it shouldn't work as well as it does, right. but it really does. And and you guys wrote some incredible songs and still do. Mm. And um and yeah, it just just kind of take take us back. Take me and Jess back and when you guys started the band mm. and, and like sort of the inspirations. Because I know even live you play like African instruments and there's all this kind of stuff that you do. I know roots wise, you, you're really diverse and we can talk about your solo career in a little bit. But sure. just let's start about like when the band started, right? How did you, you and Mikey got together? How did it all start? We, uh, so our drummer Jose Pasillas and I, uh, we were in elementary school together and we were hanging out because we both were obsessed with um, drawing and skating and surfing. And then so we met Michael, who our guitar player, in uh, middle school. And the three of us were just pure chums. We were buds and we would just go surf and skate together. And so it was a, kind of a logical progression for us to uh, start a band together. Uh, I didn't know how to write a song or even how to sing, but this I have said a handful of times, I think they wanted me to be the singer because I had long hair and I rarely wore a shirt. 
Oh. And so that like, still works to your benefit I now. So, yeah. I, I got like two more years with that, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to exploit it to yeah. the nth degree. You're oh. still not wearing a shirt on stage. No, no I'm not even wearing a shirt right now. It's right. amazing. Actually, we're all sitting here shirtless. Yeah. I'm just in Speedos. That's how I do radio <laughs> interviews. Um, um, yeah, so we, we were friends, and we still are friends. I think that's why it's still fun to be in a band together is because it's like it's a family affair yeah because i saw that i met your drummer and he was showing us like the star the constellations right with he had this app that was showing us like you could see all the stars in this app you've ever seen this app it's really cool i don't remember what it was called but anyway i could tell that you guys were still really friends which is really cool and it's so rare that like you hear all these bands years later that they hate each other so it was cool to see that you guys are, are really good friends and i know art had something to do with when you first started you were like designing some of the flyers and things like that I, yeah uh, I jose and i would draw we'd hand draw all the flyers and um we would go to the xerox place and we would xerox like hundreds of them and we would put them on uh high school campuses we would like paper the high school campuses and so we were strangely we were like selling out clubs in hollywood before we could even get into the clubs legally to play like we would we would be able, they would let us in but then they would escort us out after we played because we weren't allowed to be in you there. were what 16 or how old well, we, were you we started the band when we were 15 oh, so and, you're 16, um, yeah. we started playing out in hollywood by the time we were maybe 17. wow yeah. i feel like that's so rare nowadays everything is so orchestrated like bands are put together you rarely find People who grew up together, they started the band from childhood, or even just kind of on their own. It seems mm. like um, we've moved away from that. What do you think? I think that's true to an extent, um, to the extent that that, uh, that kind of creative paradigm doesn't exist as much anymore. That situation still happens, I'm sure, every single day all over the world where people just naturally, creatively gravitate towards each other. But uh, we're in a time in the sort of cultural creative world where uh, even the term like a band isn't doesn't have as much sort of weight as it as it once did and you and we were growing up it was like that's what you did you started a band yeah we didn't have the internet which i'm dating myself now but going back to the flyer thing like we would we would collect people's physical addresses and we would write or type their address fold the flyer, put it in like a stamp and put it in the mailbox. And that's how we started learning how to like sell out clubs in Hollywood. Was by you were sending invites to who? To friends from high school or who were you sending? How we you would having- collect at shows. We would collect people's addresses. Oh. And yeah. I'll take you one step further because I used to put, fly- I used to go to the forum and literally take the flyers in my band and put it on cars. That's what we did too. Yeah. And so, and remember we used to staple these flyers to, you know, to like, uh, you a There'd be like a telephone pole with a exactly. thousand band flyers. The fact that like anybody would walk up to that telephone right. pole and be like, I choose Incubus. Right. <laughs> and then they would people would put theirs over yours. You'd have to come back the next night and put yours over theirs again. It was graffiti. It was like this flyer war thing. But actually, before <laughs> the pre-internet, just that's actually how bands would promote themselves. So you'd go down the Sunset Strip, and I'm probably dating myself too. You'd pass out flyers. You'd go to the forum. You'd put flyers all over cars. There was no other way to get the word out there. Yeah. So, Or you would have tapes of your demos and you'd start sending them around. And that stuff worked. Yeah, and hoping that it would go like catch on like wildfire. Guys, so, I'm not that young. <laughs> We're both looking at you. Right yeah, now. but you may not remember the flyer thing. Let us that's, tell that's you really, how we did it back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> right. Right. Let me actually just throw one more little thing in there that may or may not have uh, worked to our benefit when we were in high school and handing out flyers. Um, I never got any proper like quote unquote sex education from friends or family or uh, school. And so one day 
Michael, our guitar player, his mom gave him this book, The Joy of Sex. You guys heard of it? Yeah, I think so. That was from like the 60s, it right? Was, yeah, it was illustrated, like right. really graphically, but beautifully illustrated. If I don't have it, I'll go pick it up after yeah, this. Yeah, you should. It's yeah. wonderful. It teaches yeah. you kind of everything that you needed to know up until 1980 about uh, sex and like the joy of it. Not necessarily like, don't do it, you'll, you'll die, you'll, your ears will rot off kind of a thing, but like, this is the... Backwards Morgan. doggy style, right. like showed you positions, wow. but these beautifully intricate drawings. So I don't even feel like that book could come out now. It would be like not. It'd be lot. boring to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <what Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, is this like a family show or mm. can I like? No. You can okay, say awesome. Satellite radio. Yeah. So check it out. We we got this book, and that's kind of how we were learning about things as we were teenagers. But then we were like, this would be an awesome flyer. So Jose and I would draw like bubbles and mushrooms and crystals and aliens around this couple embraced in what is called the 69 position or like reverse cowboy and we would make it look like part of the flyer and then we would drop incubus and pretty letters over these things and pass them out and so weirdly people started coming to our concerts but i read i actually read and maybe incorrectly that people started coming to shows not knowing what kind of band you were because of those flyers totally right so they probably thought like hey am i going to some weird like sex Sex show or something but actually i'm going to see incubus so right so, all right, take us from the time you started designing <laughs> flowers. You guys couldn't get into clubs. And then it, what, what was your first hit? Was it like Pardon Me? I don't know. Actually, don't, I'm not so sure. So we're, we're jumping forward a little bit. A couple because, of albums, right? The third album was when you had your, I feel like, the, the it break the record. For it would have been our third full-length record. Yeah. It was called Make Yourself. It came out in 1999. So it was the better part of 10 years that we were a band before we actually had what anyone could consider a hit, quote-unquote. And it was a song called uh, Pardon Me in yeah. 1999. I knew that. So you, Are you impressed? You guys stayed together for 10 years continuously like doing this band thing with a band of boys and were you was it what was keeping you guys together just like the pure joy of, of music or was there money involved like were you guys making a profit here or was and 10 years is a long time to it is especially together. considering we actually weren't making any money we were making enough money to stay on, stay on the road and to pay our our humble rent that you know that we had um, so we got signed in 1996 and we started our band in 91. So we were a band for over five years before we got a record deal. The record deal was to like an independent imprint. And so it wasn't necessarily, there wasn't an expectation that like you need a hit right now. It's like we actually preempted the whole thing where we want to go on tour. Just put us on the road for as long as possible. And so we were on the road driving ourselves around the country in a van and trailer for a couple of years. Um, and sometimes that means sleeping in the van for people that don't know, right? You don't always get, it's not the four seasons. You guys are like at it's a motel. the least sharing. glamorous yeah. experiences you could possibly imagine. You can only really ingest so many of your closest friends' flatulence before you start to <laughs> right. lose your mind a little right. bit. But I think maybe what happens is... You become you, a better person. Maybe. You become a better person. Right. You become uh, deeply aware of your surroundings and sharing surroundings but you also get really clear about what your deepest intentions are like why are you here why are you doing this why would you choose to do this for free in horrible conditions where there'd be times when we were like chasing tours we would be the first band of three or four like um we were opening up for 311 and sugar ray at one point we were in a in the van and trailer it was the dead of winter in the midwest and we our heat broke and so we had those like hand warmer things yeah in full like parkas with stuff on us in the car and shivering and sick and barely making it to the show before our actual set time and it was a lot of it was out of the kindness and um, generosity of bands like 311 and Sugar Ray and Corn uh, that took us out and they like saw that we were like these shivering struggling 
kids. But they recognize something in your music, obviously, right? They recognize your talent. I hope so. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> they, they just must felt have. so bad I, for us. Like, no, I think this kid a sandwich. <laughs> otherwise, they wouldn't have taken you out on the road. But I hope. But yeah. but I, I actually want to know the whole story behind some of your your because I, I feel like Wish You Were Here drive a lot of these songs. I actually want to know the stories behind them. So hold that thought. I actually want to play Wish You Were Here, mm-hmm. um, and then I want to come back and I want you to tell us like actually the story behind Wish You Were Here because it's such sure. a great song and maybe your second hit. Would you say? Wish You Were Here was actually, that was on Morning View, which came out after Make Yourself. And there were a couple years in between. And Wish You Were Here would have been our fourth. Oh, okay. So Drive was, Drive was before that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so we'll get into the story behind Drive, Pardon Me, and Wish You Were Here. Mm-hmm. But um, right now we're going to play Wish You Were Here. And we'll be back with Brandon Boyd from Incubus in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lips LA Radio with Brandon Boyd and Jessica Michelle. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Hey guys, we're back. Lips LA Radio with Brandon Boyd, Incubus here. And actually, we got a caller, so we figured we'd jump right to the caller and then we can get into some of the stories behind some of the best Incubus songs. So, Maria, you're on the air here. You're live with Brandon. Are you there? Oh, hi. Hi. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I'm calling from Madrid. How you doing, bro? Oh, no way. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, that's so cool to hear you talking to me. <laughs> you have a question for Brandon, Maria? Yeah, of course. Um, so, Brandon, um, well, do you, did you like uh, your concert here in Madrid, like two weeks ago or something? Yeah, we were just in, in all over Europe, and we had some amazing shows in, in Spain. Uh, yeah, we had a fantastic time there. It, it, it's. Um, we have, did you have a good time? This, yeah, of course. It was I'm so glad. cool. I'm um, like, uh, listen to you guys for 15, 16 years. I know it's 27 years for you, but like 50 or 16 years for me and it was so cool first time i was freaking out <laughs> well we're going to oh, talk about you. the difference in audiences maria so thank you for calling in and then we'll Thanks, uh, maria. we'll thank talk to you, you soon appreciate thank it you, Brandon. love you bye so um for a minute there i just want to talk about i want to touch base with a bunch of stuff but how are audiences different in like madrid and america right because they're different all over and the kabu festival i think you know, the crowd was super into you guys. I actually got to stand on the stage, which I thought was super. I, I love standing on the stage behind the drummer because your drummer plays. Your drummer also mm-hmm. plays very uniquely. I, I, yeah. I mean, his snare drum is like by his feet. It's yeah. one of the strangest setups I've ever seen. Yeah. And I love watching that because I, I remember asking you, like, how does he actually play? It's like so bizarre to me. But is he lefty or something on top of it? No, no he just, just plays very His uniquely. kit has evolved. Yeah. To this interesting kind of shiny low rider situation yeah it's like a, exactly it's like a low rider drummer is what it is so yeah. pretty cool but so did you find that the audiences in spain and everywhere because i know you were all over the place mm-hmm. are they particularly like a lot different than audiences in america for you i have to say uh yes the answer is yes the audiences are different depending on where you are in the world um i have noticed over the years that any place that there is a kind of a larger uh latin influence audiences are i'll just they're just flat out better brazil especially right brazil they live anywhere south america central america in europe where you have like you know in spain um italy it's like they go nuts and it's like you kind of you're reminded that oh wow people still are really deeply emotionally viscerally affected by music definitely um and that's not to say though that a more attentive and mellow audience isn't also awesome. So Kabu for us was the first show back in the States. And oh, wow, okay. It was shocking. How did you feel about that show for you guys? It was fun. We yeah, had a great fun. time. The audience was yeah. beautiful and, and wonderful. And, and definitely the um, 
the most aromatic audience that we've been in front of in a long time. Aromatic uh, meaning they smelled good? They smelled like uh, super expensive marijuana. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, they, it, had the, they had the stinkiest, dankiest, <laughs> danky dank. Well, it is in La Jolla. It's one of the most beautiful settings of almost yeah, any And they can show. afford like the yeah. stinky, danky dank. Anyway, yeah. but yeah. So yeah. it was at first when we came on stage, it was one of those more attentive mellow audiences you know there's like 20 or 30,000 of them but they were like paying attention uh and so it's a little jarring at first when you're coming from a place where in all over Europe and all over South America Central America they're so into it that they are they're singing every word like every person in the audience yeah. be like 20,000 people deep singing at the top of their lungs and when I stop singing they start singing the guitar riff. Which is crazy. I can't even imagine that. So it's like That's a crazy. wild yeah. so, uh, like football game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's different. So America, step up your game. That's actually <laughs> what you need to do. But at what point, because I kind of want to go back to the DJ thing. I find it so interesting that you guys were one of the first bands to use a DJ. And even now when I was watching you guys, I was like, wow, it's still so unique like to have a guy scratching, right? Because I just hmm. you don't really hear it in rock bands that much. So when were you like we should be adding a DJ to our music because it's going to add an element to something that we were obviously was that from a hip hop perspective where you were like yeah. I like what's going on in culture and I think we need to try and add a little bit of that because your music has this it definitely has all kinds of genres mixed into one and you said it best but going back <laughs> to your statement um, you're like how did that evolve how, how were you I don't remember what record you guys added the DJ was that from the beginning or was it, that it was early on okay. yeah, it was um we were experimenting with it before we did our first um, major label full length, just called Science. That came out in 1997. So I think it was around 95 that we brought on a, a turntablist. And we didn't know how it was going to work. We just liked the idea that there was um, an instrument on stage that was non-traditional that could we could um, we could utilize samples. Right. And we could sample uh, ourselves. We could sample songs we loved and. What we ended up doing and how it's evolved is there are very few samples that have been borrowed from any place else. We actually create all of, if not, we, yeah, it's most, if, if not all, of the content that you hear that's coming from the turntables. It's either my voice, my voice stacked, it's guitar sounds, it's organ sounds. And DJ Kilmore, Chris, um, he also plays uh, a Hammond B3, he plays a Wurlitzer, he plays uh, a Fender Rhodes all hooked into guitar pedals. He used to play like a theremin. Do you know what oh, that right. is? Yeah, of course. It's a uh, very strange instrument that you put your, you like wave your hands over to make these weird eerie sounds. It works off of your, your, your uh, energy or something. Your right? electromagnetic yeah. field. And it's like a, an antenna that's attached to a box. And then you control the volume on one side based on how close you are to it. And then the pitch of the tone on how close you are to the antenna. Which would be interesting. Was there ever a hit song in the history of music that used a theremin? I would say no. Yes. Ooh. Beach Boys. Oh, okay. Well, of course it was. The, it was like Pet Sounds or something, It was something, on Pet right? Sounds, yeah. Of course. It was yeah. the weirdest, strangest, like yeah. most progressive record ever at the time. Right. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but like obviously one of the songs that really resonated with everyone in the world, I think, is Drive. Mm -hmm. um, and is there a story behind that? Because it's such a, it's like one of the best sing-along songs ever. Like, you're like, <laughs> how did that come about? You were, were you literally were you sitting in your car and you're like, I just came up with it or something? Like, how did it, how did that happen? Um, sort of like a, a lot of the songs that we've written over the years. Um, very rarely does it have a kind of a, a straight and linear path. You know, I sometimes um, Michael, our guitar player, he's like he's like my songwriting partner in the band, and he basically hands me 
unfinished riffs, different musical small pieces that that he thinks I would enjoy, and I do the same back with him. With sometimes they're like disembodied lyrics or melodies or phrases and things like that. And we basically just have this rapport where it's like a, a creative game of telephone, where I send a message to him and then he responds to it and sends it back and vice versa. Now you can do that without even being in the same country. It's crazy. I know, right? Yeah. We used to record stuff onto like a tape. Yeah. And I would take it over to him and play it for him, and then he would jump on it and put things on it, and that's how songs would happen. So he had written the initial guitar riff to what became the riff in Drive. And uh, I think that he had initially written it for a friend's like independent movie score, which is a piece and then, of something. And then you just put lyrics to it and that... And that well, he played came. it for me in the car and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's something I wrote for, I forget who it was, but they're, they needed a, a small piece of music for a film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then I said, I want this. Let me like, let me climb on this. So whenever we're referring to each other's stuff, we, we like to think of it as like um, a tree, like a tree or a jungle gym. And we always say like, let me climb on that. Let me climb on that. And of course, I took pictures of you in a tree. So it's very appropriate. I, yes. I did photograph you in a tree. Right. Honestly, yeah. it's, a, it's an apt metaphor for the creative process because um, I've never experienced anything in the creative process. And I'd be hard pressed to find anyone that has been who is the one that originally planted the seed of the tree. We're all climbing on someone else's tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's one of the things that's so fascinating about it is that eventually you can't find the bottom of the tree. Yeah. You're just climbing on other people's creations. And eventually you start to climb into novel territory and it feels like you've reinvented the tree. Um, so this tree of drive started with <laughs> Michael, yeah. and then but I digress. We're, we're digressing about trees. We've been talking about trees for a long time. But the tree of drive started with him doing this piece of music for the soundtrack. You took it, and then did you know right away? Because sometimes you write a song, I guess, and you're like, you know what? I kind of feel like this could be a hit. Or did right. you feel like, you know what? I'm not sure how people would take to it. I've always been bad at identifying what would be a a, a quote unquote hit. Yeah, I've never been good at that. I like to just write, 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 and then let other people who are perhaps more qualified decide because I would choose really obscure things. Like what would be one of your favorites that maybe the world didn't agree with as much as you did? It's a really good question. Uh, there are many. Like um, there's a song that we've had, we've put out eight full length records and a handful of EPs and there's, there's a lot of Incubus material out there, but on a record I think it was called The Crow Left of the Murder. There's a song, came out in 2003 or 2004. There's a song called Here in My Room, which is this really kind of like romantic, psychedelic, kind of erotic piece of music. Like it's really slow. It's a beautiful piano thing, but it has these really dark, beautiful undertones. And I always loved the song. I love performing it live, but... Uh, it would never have been anybody else's pick. I would have chosen that one. It, to me, like radio would sound very different if it were up to me. If I were right. king for a day, radio... It would all be trees and strange things. Yeah, people would be getting lost in the woods all <laughs> right, the time. Right. <laughs> um, so I want to play Drive. Uh, you're listening to Lips LA Radio. Uh, I want to hold this thought because I do want to come back and talk about, at some point, People Magazine, just you know, that Brandon definitely... Oh, yeah, yeah, the hottest guys in music. What? This is years ago. You were n voted one of the hottest guys in music, and I want to know... How you felt like being, you know, this sort of 
personification of who you are because you know it's a whole thing with you guys you have a, a great vibe and i think the vibe is a lot a part of your music and who you are and so hold that thought let's play drive and you heard the story behind it and here it is incubus this is lips la on dash radio hey we're back you listen to lips la radio live from the dream hotel we're with singer songwriter author artist and all-around great human being brandon boyd from incubus and jessica what's going on guys um, we, we have another caller here. So um, the last call was an interesting call. So um, let's take this call. I think Igby's on the line here. Igby, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Cool. Well, you're here with Brandon. So uh, hey. yeah, yeah. Ask away, bro. Hi, how you doing? Awesome. Nice to meet you, Igby. We're a long time fan. Thanks, man. What's your question you for Brandon? Uh, my question for Brandon was um, if he had a favorite Incubus song. Ooh, Do you have a favorite Incubus song? That's a tough one. It's a little bit like... You have uh, 120 or so children, and then someone asks you, "Who's the favorite?" You got to you got to have one that you every night when you play. Though since we're in private, I'll tell you. Yes, if this were public, I wouldn't be able to say. But um, the truth is, Igby is it kind of changes. Usually changes every couple of weeks, but it you know it's like kind of mood dependent. I've never had one favorite song from any artist for like my entire life. Do you, have you have you ever had one song that's like permeated through your experience that like this will always be my favorite song of any artist? Uh, I definitely have favorite artists like Zeppelin and things like that. Sure. I don't know, a favorite song? Ramble On is one of them? I, no, I it does. You're right. It changes. It goes based off mood or... Yeah. Setting. Setting. However many times you heard it. Exactly. Day. Yeah. So I actually have one. You do. L- what's yours? Yeah. From Robin. Show Me Love. All-time favorite. From nice. Nice. So, nice. So I... I'm I'm wrong. So sometimes people do, and that's amazing. I've always been one of those people that can't decide. So right now, my favorite Incubus no, song. No, I, I cycle through. Oh right, okay. I know what you mean. <laughs> so what was your favorite? Right now, my favorite Incubus song is uh, one that I started working on last night. That is, isn't an action Incubus song yet, but I listened to it like 14 times after I demoed it in my basement, and it's my favorite. And it doesn't have a title, and you can't hear it because it doesn't. At really some point, exist. we'll get to hear yeah. it. So. I'll get back to you. Igby, the answer to the question is it has no title, but you'll hear it soon on either Brandon's solo record or an Incubus record. Untitled. Or the soundtrack to The Trees or something. Right. Um, Thanks for calling in, Igby. We're going to jump back into it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. So cool. So I want to go back to before before we uh, listened to Drive a minute ago. So... People Magazine, right? Jess, we, I mean, People Magazine a while ago, like, Brandon, yes, I don't even remember this. Yes, you got the moniker this. from Team People. You were one of the hottest guys in music. I mean, how did that make you feel? I wonder if I was a teenager when that happened. <laughs> I think it was just People Magazine. What or if, if I was an adult and Team People was saying it, that's creepy. I think it was more just, I think it was People Magazine in general. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, I, how does it, what did you say? How does that make me feel? Yeah, how does it make you feel to be known? I mean, that you're just so wanted and like... <laughs> The world just—you're just so sexy to everybody. Um, it kind of makes kind of makes me laugh. I think I don't know if that's just my nervous reaction to compliments, but it's a nice compliment, I suppose. Just um, keep taking your shirt off for us. Yeah, you're I'm still gonna, shirtless when I see you play, so I guess that's all good. You know, I, it just—it gets hot. Yeah, and it's—it's it's nice to be able to just shed layers when it gets hot. 
Totally. Well, you, listen. And it sucks when you can't, right? Of course. Yeah, I think we're just going to keep the temperature blasted high at, sure. at all venues. Let's not forget that he also has the, the nicknames of like the invisible floating torso man, Happy Nappy, Brandon of the Jungle, Cornelius. I don't even know where all these names Brandon come from. Brandon of the Jungle. Where, and where do any of these names come from? Right. And who gave you those names? Like your bandmates or something? tree? Like a climbing tree, like a favorite climbing tree. Mm, that's an amazing question. There was a tree that I used to love to climb with my brothers um, when I would be down in San Diego visiting my grandparents when I was a child, and it was a massive, massive magnolia, magnolia <gasps> in in Balboa that's Park. Because my favorite trees to climb are magnolias. They have the yeah. best branches. Yeah, it was amazing. We used to hide in the roots, and it was incredible. Yeah. Right here. Come on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Here. Found it. All right. Um, but my favorite tree, I love that we're talking about this, and it's probably not going to make the actual cut, but uh, <laughs> I, I have a- We only uh, have an hour. I have a, a, a love affair with oak trees, because I grew up um, in the Santa Monica Mountains. And so my brothers and I grew up just being surrounded by oak trees and sage. And, Ooh. Yeah. So it smelled really good? It does, it's yeah. It's very messy, though. No, not messy. It's fun. So I want. So let's <laughs> jump back into music, right? Because we, we can digress forever. I think with Brandon, but so because at some point, all right, you got you got the hits. You're doing music. You guys have been on the road for a long time, and then also you personally have been getting into all kinds of stuff the last few years, right? So we have the art. You wrote a few books. Mm-hmm. You've had a couple of art shows recently. I even remember a while ago you were um, designing a jewelry line. So. <laughs> Like, right. which of those things kind of, like, inspire you the most? I know the art is something very near and dear to you. Um, actually, Brandon made me this amazing thing just for my birthday. He made me this amazing skateboard with, I believe, actually, a model that we work with. Nicole might be on the skateboard yeah. that he actually hey. painted or drew. Um, and I've been to your art studio. And we, I took pictures of you there, and it was yeah. great. You have this amazing art studio. So is there, is there something in there that sort of, like, inspires you more than another? Obviously, I know they're all inspiring because when you're artistic, I get that music, art, you know, yeah. designing. But but I know that really you've been focusing a lot on the art. You've had a, a few shows lately, yeah. which has been really cool for you. So um, you have a show coming up or you have a, show, a couple of shows you just did, right? Let's let's talk a little bit about, you, about your art. Cause I don't know if people, not everyone may know what a great artist you are. And if they don't know, then you should check out Brandon's work online. Yeah, check it out. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been one of those things. Um, it, I, my experience with, with art and as far as like a, a visual medium of art, uh, definitely predates my experience in music, but today and for the past two decades, it's um, informed music as much as the music has informed the art for me. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grow up when I was a kid. <laughs> you know that term, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I could never land on an exact thing. I just knew that I wanted to be an artist. I didn't even really know what that meant. And I think now um, in my middle age, I've come to understand that it meant I had permission to uh, to wander creatively, to be part of a process that was sort of bigger than me. I could kind of like uh, dip my toe into a, a raging torrent and see what that was like, you yeah. know, to go wandering through a dark, scary forest and then come back and have stories to tell, that, that type of a thing. So essentially what I've been doing this entire time is creating uh, environments around me, but also around my loved ones and the places that I go. Environments that are conducive to inviting in a larger creative process. That's what is important to me. And I think some of the most profound experiences that I've ever had have been ones where um, I've given myself permission and given people around me 
or they've given themselves permission to uh, to explore and to be curious, uh, infinitely curious, and to not know why you were doing it or where you would end up, but more so that you just were doing it and something wonderful would, would happen. So I feel honestly very blessed and very fortunate to be able to do what I do because I truly love it to my very core. Because your art is a little abstract, but you also sometimes use subjects, right? And so sometimes yeah. it's a reference of you know, models or whoever else that you happen to be drawing or painting. So it's drawing, yeah. it's drawing and painting, I guess. You do a combination, right? You do. Yeah, I grew up drawing. Yeah. I grew up, uh, my, my mom is an artist and um, was also a singer and a dancer. And my dad was uh, an actor in his day and also an engineer. So it's an entertainment family. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like one of those um, stage mom type of situations. Yeah. They... They merely provided the atmosphere that would make it feel like we had permission. We gave ourselves permission to express ourselves. And okay. so it came out in lots of different ways, which is probably why I've never really hunkered down on solely one creative pursuit. Is that, I, you know, I grew up in an atmosphere where it's like, today I'm going to draw, tomorrow I'm going to sing, the next day I'm going to bang on the piano, then right. I'm going to write a book. And right. I would write little stories yeah. and stuff like that growing up. So if I ever have kids... One day, I hope to provide uh, a similar environment where they feel safe to just be infinitely curious. Well, I think all the output you're doing creatively has been really great. So, I mean, as I said, I, I don't mean to give you a ton of compliments, but the art is great too. So, thank you so much. That's really, really nice. And I, you were going to say sorry. Oh, I was just going to say you're so good with your words. I mean, I was looking up some of the the quotes by Brandon Boyd. You're mesmerized, right? And you look mesmerized. I Jess. mean, I think I'm you're speechless. You. <laughs> Very rare that Jess is speechless. No, but it's true. And I just wanted to know who do you pull from? Who inspires you? Is it a composer who's just good with their words, who you've read, read their letters, or a poet? Or I mean, mm. where do you draw from? I definitely pull from a pretty wide range. Um, I've actually found over the years that um, the authors that have inspired me, the writers, like novelists, people you know I admired in literature, were as influential to music as anything. There are bands that were influential and there are artists who are continually uh, inspiring to me, but I draw honestly most of my inspiration from uh, people who have a preternatural uh, disposition towards uh, wordsmithing. Is that a word? Wordsmithing? <laughs> yeah. You just made it a word. Yeah. So it was people like, um, I, I grew up loving uh, Henry Miller and uh, nice. I loved reading his correspondences with Anais Nin. Um, so I, if we wanted... I, it's all over the place. I, those are just two. There's you know probably countless people. You said something. You said, I believe it was, we should all learn to love ourselves before it's made illegal. That's a lyric from a song called Warning, yeah. What does and that mean exactly? What does that mean? Uh, I suppose I was reacting to something just to preface what i'm about to say with one thing I, I rarely know what i'm writing about while i'm writing it that's part of that whole idea of giving yourself permission to wander um for me art and creativity have always been kind of like a, a spilling like you let the paint can spill over and then you organize it into a painting after the fact so the kind of analytical scientific part comes last the fun part for me is the spilling and it's a little bit like finding uh, pictures in clouds or pictures in chaos. You know, you stare into the clouds and it's like, look, a bear. Maybe not everybody would see a bear, but I did. <laughs> That's my bear now. Um, 
so uh, that with with warning with that song in particular, uh, I was probably reacting to the news of the day. Um, culture has always been a, a big source of not only frustration but inspiration to me, and yeah. I think that one thing kind of leads to the other. Sometimes dire frustration, especially with the direction that your culture might be heading can be inspiring to want to say something uh, in in a loving protest or a peaceful protest. So I think that's probably what that was. And I want to talk about culture today and music today and where we've gone in our culture from making new music and if bands still actually should be creating new music if people care as much and mm. where it's gone in hip hop and pop and rock and where we're at. So I want to actually play Part of Me, one of my favorite Incubus songs. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back in two seconds and catch up with Brandon Boyd, Incubus, Chess Michelle, live from the Dream Hotel, Hollywood. You're listening to Lips LA Radio. Hey, this is Anthony Kiedis, and uh, I'm on the radio with Scott Lips. You're listening to Lips in LA. Awesome. You just heard Part of Me by Incubus, Brandon Boyd. So, Brandon, there's so much coming up in your life. I, I want to kind of wrap it up by telling just in, term, in terms of culture and where we're at right now, like, do you think making new music is as important as it used to be. How do you guys feel about making new music? Do you like it? Do you think you have to? Are you cool? Which is, obviously, I know you're always trying to inspire. And as we can tell from the conversation, yeah. it's all about being inspired by you. So how do you feel about it? Where has it gone? I mean, music has taken such a different turn right now that, I mean, do bands need yeah. to make music anymore? Or is it okay just to rest on like their catalog? And how do you, do you think the public really, you know, is in demand for it in certain bands? Or what do you think? Right. I mean, there's... there's uh not the demand for a rock band's new music as there once was. And also, you know, because Incubus is, we've been a band for the better part of 30 years. Wow. And so the longer a band is around, the more people are just instinctually going to uh, lean towards the nostalgic elements of your band. But I feel like we're in a really particular place in our lives, but also in our creative life where we're not a new band by any stretch of the term, but we're also... Uh, not old yet we're not young anymore but we're not old either we're kind of in this sweet spot which is it's kind of an amazing thing to be 42 and have a lot of you know piss and vinegar still in you because yeah. uh, we have a lot of music to write and there's a lot of there's a lot to say so 2018 2019 we got art coming up from brandon lots of art we we're, got music we're writing music um we're probably gonna skirt the idea of a traditional album we're probably just gonna release songs as they're finished by the way i think that's better because i don't think it, it doesn't even matter these days no. we work with some artists that have gotten incredibly famous without even releasing full-length records yet so right it's all changed right but yeah which is fine it's just different but the slate for 2019 looks beside just get it because i want everyone to know exactly what's going on with you so mm. 2019 looks like what because we're almost at the end of 2018 scary yeah, right it's insane scary. uh if we're still here as a civilization on the planet in you mean if we, if we don't blow up we don't blow ourselves up combust or die of uh, political hopelessness. Uh, <laughs> we will be on tour. We're going to be on tour um, at the, probably from, I would say, spring of 2019 on. Cool. Yeah. And art wise, anything coming up? Because you just had a show in Texas. So you have any other shows coming up? I did. I had up? a show in Texas. And uh, believe it or not, it was in December. It'll be a year ago in L.A., my optimistic pop up gallery. Um, I'm working on my fourth book. Amazing. And uh, I have a bunch of cool, weird, neato projects that are going to be coming out around Christmas, art things that um, people can check out really soon. Yeah, because you did a record with Skrillex, right? Is that correct? Our newest record, Eight, uh, right. Skrillex, he mixed it and he actually produced a couple of the songs on it. Um, people should check it out. It's the newest Incubus record. It's called Eight. It came out in April of last year and we've actually 
been on tour the whole time. All right, so we're going to give a lot of plugs. Follow <laughs> Brandon to check out his art, right? And check out your website yes. to check out the art. So just what's the website for the art? People the want to see art? brandonboyd.me. Okay. I try to think of the most selfish website I could <laughs> think of. And then just my Instagram is just Brandon Boyd. Right. And Jessica Michelle, everyone knows yes. her Instagram. Thank you for coming on today, by the way. Yeah. You're lovely. Yeah, Thanks. we love you, bro. And uh, follow so everyone sweet. along. Yeah, so and uh, thank you, Brandon Boyd, Incubus, Jessica. Woo! It's been great. I don't think we left anything out, but uh, thanks, Brandon, for coming on. Thank Appreciate it. Hey, this is Anais Gallagher, and you're listening to Scott Lips on Lips LA Radio. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts 